Welcome to the New Witches. I'm Maria. <laughs> I'm Laura. When's the last time we did an introduction like that? This is the first time. <laughs> I don't think we've ever done that. We usually do it at the end. We're like, oh, yeah, here, here's our names. <laughs> so we're getting a head start on uh, goals for the new year. Yeah, our resolution. We're going to do... Make sure you know who we are first. <laughs> so, yeah, welcome to our... Yule episode. It's Christmas it's time. Christmas time. At the or, ancient you know, Yuletide Carol. What is the <laughs> Yuletide Carol? Will we find out today? I don't know. I don't think so. Well, kind of. I, I mean, we we'll find out about Yule. Will. But I always wonder, like, what is the Yuletide Carol? An appropriation. Hey, yo. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to talk a lot about appropriation in this episode. Like a lot, <laughs> but it's kind of. A I mean, thing. we're gonna go through just. I'm excited, just like the different origins, and again, this is yeah. Christmas time is a holiday where so many people don't realize that what they're celebrating has pagan origins. Yes, and 100%. yeah, it's oh my god, Christmas way appropriated from the pagans. They totally yeah. did, and. Okay, I didn't hear the car, but I heard whatever that I was. I think it's like their brakes or something. I don't know. Poor car. Yeah, I just heard that quick little... Oh, yeah, I don't know what that was. Crying. My neighbor loves to just start his car and have it warm up for like 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's a thing you don't actually have to do. I mean, I, I know like in the winter, it's good to like maybe warm it up for like a few minutes but i think 20 is a little excessive and it is like straight up it's excessive. it's always like 20 minutes but i, I kind of think like there's a whole article i read somewhere about if you have to do that or not i'm pretty sure the consensus was you didn't have to even if it's really cold i heard the thing of like um people who don't turn the ac in their car on because it eats up fuel that it doesn't eat up that much fuel that you have to worry about it no. Like you're maybe saving yeah, no, you're a dollar good. a year or something. I once, oh my mm-hmm. gosh, I would um, drive back home with a friend during college because um, I didn't have a car for like freshman year. Uh, she would drive us back home to Windsor and man, she would like never turn the AC on in like, not the dead of winter, the, the in the life of summer. <laughs> like it was fucking hot as balls. And we'd be stuck in traffic, Seriously? too, and she just wouldn't do it. She'll just, like, we'll just open the windows. And I think, honestly. No, no. I'm like, but it, it's so, it's so hot. Please. <laughs> oh, no, I would die. I, mm-mm. Yeah. Just because we know how hot cars get inside. Yeah. I mean, like, thank, thank God she opened the windows. Like, but I'm like. You have, it was like a brand new car. It wasn't like an old car where like the AC gets funky and she didn't want to deal with it or if it was like broken or whatever. It was like, right. we started college in 2010 and it was an 08 car. Like your car is fine. Mm-hmm. Turn the AC on. <laughs> Turn it on. Just melting next to her. Like it's fine. Fucking <laughs> Like the rude. meme of that dog in the room burning on fire. It's, this is fine. This is fine. Anywho, but okay. enough about summer. We're in winter. <laughs> we are at least in this hemisphere. In this hemisphere, yes. Some of you might be. If you actually it's summer are solstice like, in, in, in the other hemisphere, yeah. can you like reach out to us and tell us? 
I just, I know we have some people in Australia cool. listening That'd to cool. us and they're in summer right now and they're approaching summer solstice. Yeah. So you can hear about your summer solstice next year when we cover that. <laughs> <laughs> we will yeah. get there. This is our uh, second, third, third Sabbath. Right? Yeah. Because we covered Maven. We covered Maven. Mm-hmm. Sawain. Sawain. Mm-hmm. And now you all. Yes. Yeah. We're getting there. And while I don't love how long the nights are, I just do love everything else. See, I I love it. As soon as the sun starts going down, like I'm I'm the person that could go live in this in the town where there's no sun for like three months. I would love it. Damn. So much. I don't like the sun. Let me tell you, all the cars and all the planes are out and about today. <laughs> all of them. It's Yule time. They have places to be. Honestly, I, this is why I'm hoping for, for our Patreon that it grows enough where I can like afford to use those bucks to buy things to better insulate my little recording studio slash my parents' garage. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Um, yeah. Okay. So with the days being so short me and gavin hate it but because when gavin's bothered by something he has a lot of trouble letting it go he like not not dwells but he'll like bring it up if something bothers Mm -hmm. him if there's a person that bothers him if there's something that bothers him he'll bring it up every day and every time and right now he's very hyper focused on the fact that it gets dark so late and this boy i love him so much he always calls me after he gets off work there's only been two times in all of our dating that he has not called me right after he gets off work. And so in those conversations, he's like, oh, it's so dark. And I'm like, I know. And he's like, I hate it. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> we talked about yes that, this yesterday. We talked about it the day before. And the day before. God forbid he has before. a co-worker he doesn't like. I will hear about it until that co-worker quits. I kind of, I'm sort of the same way. I try to watch it. But Graham does get an earful, usually on a regular basis, while something is bothering me. But it has to be something that, like, I can't, there's nothing I can do yeah. about it. Like, I can't even mm-hmm. accept it. <laughs> yeah, Gavin is very similar. I think um, he's very interesting because, uh, not that he is not empathetic, but I think he mm-hmm. operates like in a pragmatic logistical way in a certain way and when he sees people yeah. that don't operate that way he, it, his mind doesn't compute it so it's like that i don't know like reti- reptilian response of like if i can't understand it i'll just try to kill it and he kills it with his words <laughs> <laughs> that's an air sign thing i think and he's like. an air yeah that has to be yeah, what he, that is he is aquarius because i've got I've got the Gemini and the Libra, and I can be that way, too. Like, Yeah, he just runs it. Oh, that's a whole He runs it to the ground. But anyways, yes, speaking of... I feel Gavin. Well, well, then this is good for him and for you, because it's an issue for you both, that the first day of the winter solstice is a sign of... Yeah, that the nights start getting shorter. Mm. The sun is coming out sooner. The sun will come out like, super slowly, in the but... springtime. Sometime in the springtime, it'll <laughs> come out. Um, yeah, I really enjoy winter other than when I have to be out and about while it's raining and that it's dark. 
so quickly. That's just because I love the sun. But um, other than that, though, I mean, you got all the cozy stuff, hot chocolate, mm-hmm. the pines and garlands that are coming out, um, scents, yeah, cinnamon, citrus, cranberries, uh, again, that like smell. woodsy, the woodsy stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I have this one candle by Truck and Barter called California Pine. <gasps> oh, mm. it's my favorite candle to burn during Christmas time. Look her up, truckandbarter.co, buy your candle. <laughs> Christmas. No, it's like, oh gosh, it's so, it just smells so good. Yeah. And then just like decorating and like the lights and everything is like very beautiful. It's like, yeah. I don't know, like how Paris is the city of lights or something romantic about seeing like just little globes of light glowing in the darkness mm-hmm. and to have that in your home everywhere. It, it is very like comforting and very, hoogalig and everything but um i guess that is one good thing about it being dark is that you get to do that (laughs) (laughs) yeah i like it i like it a lot i kind of i feel like once the first day of summer hits i kind of like count down it's like great we just had the longest day of the year (laughs) start getting a little shorter here and then i like i start the coziness little by little obviously with like the halloween stuff then i get into the Mm -hmm. christmas stuff but then as we get away from christmas i get sad again and see so i live for this opposite so whether you're camp maria or camp laura we still have a lot to like really enjoy about this time and personally for me um again i am a much newer witch than laura and especially as a christian witch um Going through the motions of like learning the different pagan holidays has been so a lot of this is very new to me as far as learning the history. So I'm pretty excited about getting into all the research that we've done um, because I'm sure there are people out there that know like the symbols of Yule, you know? Yeah. Like what, like, you know, visually what Yule looks like, but perhaps not so much the meanings. Um, And especially Mm -hmm. if you're a new witch. If you're taking on the Sabbaths to celebrate and you're trying to learn how to appreciate them, this is going to be an awesome episode for you. Yeah. And because right. we're, we're stepping into a little more than just Yule, too. Yeah. Can't, can't do one without the other. Mm-hmm. So. Well, so then this time of year. So the reason why we have any celebration around this time of year is because of the winter solstice. Yeah. It's kind of the big marker of it all. Um, it changes from year to year. Like all of the, you know, seasons kind of do. But mm-hmm. this year, the first day um, of winter, the first official day is Monday, December 21st. And that is also calendar. like the official start of winter, like the calendar year winter, right? Yes. Yeah. Like yeah. it always falls on these solstices or equinoxes. Mm-hmm. And I said mark it on your calendar, but actually it usually is on a calendar. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, usually. <laughs> Honestly, like when I see it, maybe. the start of a season it's usually going to be some sort of solstice or equinox like it actually is yeah that's rather that astronomical means. um or astronomical mm-hmm. i guess yeah astronomical astrological and it always kind of falls within like a 20th 21st or 22nd of a month yeah 20 something always mm-hmm. 
Like I mentioned in the summer, we have the longest day of the year. That's the first day of summer. So then you get to six months later to our winter solstice, and that marks the shortest day and longest night of the year. Mm -hmm. And that basically just means the amount of sun and the amount of darkness. Yeah. Not like when I was a kid, I thought it meant that like time changed. <laughs> the day got longer. Not like a like, time change. More yeah. hours in the night. Yeah. <laughs> Don't be like me. <laughs> <laughs> so the winter solstice is the day of the year with the fewest hours of daylight mm -hmm. and it marks the start of like you said astronomical winter so after the winter solstice days start becoming longer and nights shorter as spring approaches so if you do not like all this darkness this is definitely something to celebrate mm -hmm. coming of sunshine for Fuck you yeah <laughs> humans have observed the winter solstice as early as the neolithic period which was the last part of the stone age beginning about 10,200 bc so like hella long ago hell's along hell's yeah so like that's a new one that's a new one hell's uh <laughs> soups hell's along ago <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine if we come up with so many like inside words or jokes of the podcast that we're able to form full sentences that only our listeners can decipher? <laughs> That's the level <laughs> I want to get at. Our own little language. Yeah. <laughs> My God. Okay. So like I just mentioned, uh, the uh, Neolithic period. So the reason why we know that they celebrated the solstice um, during that time period is because we still have monuments from that time. And a couple of them are, um, there's the Newgrange in Ireland and the, um, I didn't look this up, Mauchow in Scotland. And they're aligned with the sunrise on winter solstice, which there are other monuments like Stonehenge. I think a lot of people, mm -hmm. that's the first thing they think of when they think of like lining up with something. It's not the only one. I actually, I recommend looking Newgrange up. It's pretty cool. But anyway, it's from these, you know, the winter solstice and then the summer that we see stories that personify the balance of summer and winter, light and dark. Yeah. It always kind of blows my mind. Like, this is the first day of winter where we think of dark and cold, mm -hmm. but we're welcoming the sun's return at this time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty um, much... How petty is that? Like... <laughs> Every fucking day, I'm going to celebrate the night getting shorter and shorter. <laughs> Crazy. See, so this is, I wrote my notes like on caffeine, which is not my yeah, normal flow. And I'm mark. like so thrown off. Now, who did this, Maria? <laughs> I don't have that energy right now. <laughs> well, Laura. Um. So, yeah, so pretty much, right, we're like, fuck yeah, come back, son, even though, again, as you said, like, that irony of um, the association of winter being, like, dark and cold, every day that passes, the sun stays for longer and longer. So, yeah, 4,000 years ago, the ancient Egyptians took the time to celebrate the daily rebirth of Ra, which is the god of sun, or the god of the sun. So mm -hmm. as the culture flourished and spread throughout Mesopotamia, there were all these other like civilizations that decided to like like let's get in on this sun welcoming action because we like sun too. And 
they found that things went really well until the weather got cooler and crops began to die. That's why winter obviously is like associated a lot with death because mm-hmm. doesn't bode for much um, growth. Right. So each year, this cycle of like birth, death, and then rebirth, right? Because seasons, they're a cycle. They come back. Thank God. Mm-hmm. I Honestly, I don't understand the people in fucking universe of Game of Thrones where they're like suns or their summers and winters last for like cent or like decades or whatever. Oh no no! Oh my god! Give birth to me at the beginning of winter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my god! I uh, would not be able. You know, it's so wild because I was actually sitting with my dad trying to. We were trying to figure out what their solar system looks like to. Oh yeah. That their that their seasons that are like that. that way. That it would work that way. <laughs> Yeah, we actually came up with a pretty good answer. And for the life of me, I can't remember what it was because it literally took us two hours to think of it. But <laughs> well, they'd have to have on. like an enormous planet. So I think and it was be a something certain distance like, from the sun. I think it was something like that. The the instead of um, the sun being kind of stationary and the center of gravity for their surrounding planets, that the sun was one of the celestial bodies that oh rotated. Something like that we were able to come up with. I don't know if it's foolproof. Cause again, we're not scientists. Well, I guess kind of my dad. He's an engineer. But I think you you can look up other planets in our solar system and like how how long seasons last on those planets. I mean, they yeah. don't have seasons, but like how long it would because mm-hmm. of their their rate of um, you know science word right right, right. <laughs> the their rate of insert <laughs> science. <laughs> <laughs> When I don't have an answer for anything, I'm just going to say that. Because <laughs> insert science. The science goes here. <laughs> um, okay, so yeah. So where we leave off, yada, yada, yada. Okay, so yeah. Each year, cycle of birth, death, rebirth. And these civilizations began to realize that every year after a period of cold and darkness, the sun, of course, would indeed come back. So then winter festivals were also really common in Greece and Rome, as well as the British Isles. I love Britain. Um, When a new religion called, have you heard of it? Christianity popped up. (laughs) um, There was the new hierarchy and they had trouble converting pagans. Um, So as such, folks didn't want to like give up their old holidays. Like we've been doing this for fucking centuries. What do you mean we have to do what you want? Change? Yeah. Like try telling it, try telling an American that you're gonna take his guns away. That's how these pagans felt. <laughs> um, so Christian churches will were built on old pagan worship sites, like a lot of the really early churches, mm-hmm. and pagan symbols were incorporated into the symbolism of Christianity. And I think we all know this: Christianity appropriated a shit ton of paganism to lure pagans to convert. Like again, we've talked yep. about this, like rebranding. <laughs> oh, huge rebrand. So many rebranding. Uh, they truly were the first marketing geniuses of their time. Within a few centuries, the Christians had everyone worshiping a new holiday that was celebrated on December 25th. Although scholars believe it is more likely that Jesus was actually born around April rather than in the winter. So it's funny. So like we celebrate Easter as his resurrection slash rebirth, but he was also probably born like his actual birth was around actually that around that time. And also, if you do Bible study, it just makes sense that it was during warmer uh, seasons. Like, it, the whole thing mm-hmm. with us celebrating it in the winter 
really makes no sense if you're solely looking at what's going on in the Bible and like the hints that you get about just the area and what's going on. Like it's, it, he wasn't born in December, but nonetheless, December 25th is now when we celebrate Christmas. Oh yeah. Even astronomers have looked into like celestial events that could have mm-hmm. been like the big star in the sky, yeah. things like that. And they're like around that time. No, fucking wasn't in December. Yeah. No, totally. It wasn't. Um, I don't remember why I put this here, but, um, that's the kind of day I'm having, apparently. I can see the caffeine in here. <laughs> I can see caffeinated Laura in these notes. <laughs> it does not happen frequently. Like, I never have caffeine. So, I like, this was me getting a grande free Starbucks because oh, it's gosh. been sitting in my thing for a while. Yeah. Half calf, half calf, and drinking maybe a quarter of it. But honestly, if you don't drink that much caffeine, you get so sensitive to it super sensitive and like my body doesn't love it but this was i wasn't sleeping well Mm -hmm. and so yeah (laughs) so caffeine was the answer (laughs) caffeine (laughs) caffeine so i included a brief little story of the oak king and holly king because if you just kind of do a um a brief google search on yule um yeah. there are some pages that I found that are very like surfacey that they touch on it mm-hmm. and they kind of take all these different things together without really getting into the background of them. Mm-hmm. And the Oak King and Holly King are always kind of a part of it. So a lot of people think that's where Yule comes from, but um nah. as I Yeah, caffeinated me wrote. But nah. But nah. <laughs> Though it does, there's an influence of it for sure. So the Holly King and Oak King are personifications of winter and summer in Celtic paganism. So the two kings, they engage in endless battle reflecting on, reflecting the seasonal cycles of the year. Not only solar light and dark, but also crop renewal and growth. Because that kind of goes hand in hand. Yeah. You can't grow a crop without the sun. um, Because it dies in the dark. Duh. So during warm days of midsummer, the Oak King is at the height of his strength, and the Holly King regains power at the autumn equinox, and then his strength peaks during midwinter, at which point the Oak King is reborn, regaining power at the spring equinox and perpetuating the succession. So it's like this ongoing battle of rebirth of one, and then so on and so on. So the story of the two kings has inspired not only some of the, our Christmas history of using, you know, holly and ivy. Mm-hmm. So if you didn't know holly and ivy, we get it from the story. Um, but storytellers. So the story of the two kings we see played out, if you know the story of Sir Gawain and the Green Knight, mm-hmm. which is actually a movie that's coming up that I'm so yep. excited for. Um, oh, then really? Yes. Oh, by the um, same that. studio that did like Hereditary and Midsummer and A twenty four. Hmm. Oh, I love. You ha- you're gonna have to look it up. It looks good. It looks creepy. Oh, I'm What's so excited. What's it called? I think it might just be called The Green Knight. Oh, okay. Ooh, I'm excited. Oh, it's oh my god, and I can't. I'm like blanking on the actor's name, but he's so good, and I'm so excited. So yeah, that's one story that we see that reflects the story of the Oak King and the Holly King, as well as Balin and Balin of Arthurian legend oh, oh, and oh, Lou. Oh, oh, um, 
No, I'm trying to the the actor. Uh, he was um begins with a D, doesn't it? His name Adam. No, no, not Adam. Is it Adam? No, 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 no. Sorry, oh, no, no. no. Oh, I don't know where. Oh, Dev Patel. Dev Patel. Yes, 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 yes. Dev yes. Patel, uh, Slumdog Millionaire. He's a very handsome man. He is a gorgeous man. All right, sorry. Uh huh. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> um, Lou and Balor of Irish mythology is another example of this story kind of being repeated. Anyway, that's just a quick little blurb on something Christmassy related that I couldn't leave out. Well, so we're going to kind of talk about a hodgepodge of various different civilizations and cultures and the things that they celebrated around this time. And one of those things, so we just touched a little bit on like the Celtic, um, but now I'm going to go into Saturnalia, which was the Romans. Um, and I, oh, I love Rome, anything Roman or Greek or stuff. I just growing up, I was always obsessed with like the mythologies and the Colosseum and this and that. And so anyways, here we go. So Saturnalia, this is a Roman pagan holiday. Every December, the Romans threw a week long celebration of debauchery and fun. And it was called Saturnalia. And it was in honor of their agricultural god, Saturn, which is like my homeboy as a Capricorn. Um, so roles were... Today's your day. Today is my day. Um, <laughs> roles were reversed. This is kind of... It's kind of funny because this also reminds me of like Halloween vibes-ish. But Oh, yeah. Yeah, like the for during Saturnalia, slaves could act as masters and masters served their slaves um, temporarily. And that's why it was kind of like it was okay that your slaves would disrespect you because you knew that this holiday would eventually end. And so no slaves could mm-hmm. be punished during their time for being like disrespectful or going above their station or whatever. And it was held on um, December 17th of the Julian calendar, which I'm pretty sure is like our calendar. So December 17th. Yeah. Um, and then it later expanded with festivities that went through December 23rd. So getting close to like our traditional, you know, Christmas mm-hmm. day. Um, the holiday was celebrated with a sacrifice at the Temple of Saturn um, in the Roman Forum. And then there was a public banquet followed by private gift giving. Sound familiar? Super familiar. Continual partying and a carnival atmosphere that overturned Roman social norm- norms. So again, like gambling was permitted. Masters provided table service for their slaves, um, and it was seen as like a time of like free speech and liberty for pretty much all slaves and free men alike. Uh, so <laughs> a common custom was um, the dubbing somebody like the king of Saturnalia, <laughs> which again, I don't know why I always think of the office. <laughs> I'm the hay king. <laughs> 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 I always wanted to be Hay King, but alas, the sun shines on Moe's. <laughs> I just... Okay, moving on. I'm sorry. Okay. Saturnalia actually reminds me of something that I could see Dwight celebrating. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Being like, it's a celebration of Saturnalia. Yeah, totally. Though I know he had Belschnickel, but still. Oh, we'll talk so much about Dwight when we cover, like... Krampus and like Belschnickel and stuff. Oh yeah, like the well, because that's Christmas cryptids. Yeah, so Belschnickel will be in there. Mm-hmm. I'm so excited. Anyways, <laughs> tune in for that next next time, guys. Um, but okay, so <laughs> King of Saturnalia, and so this king, 
quote unquote, would give orders to people and um, the orders were to be followed. And, you know, there's just like, I don't know, a bunch of merrymaking, make your spirits bright, but also I'm king and you got to do what I say. And then there was the gift exchange and they were usually, this is what I love about the Romans. They often did gag gifts, <laughs> which I think is just so adorable. Um, but it, it's, it was thought that like the gaggier the gift, the deeper the friendship or relationship you had with right. a person. Uh, which I think is very true today. Well, I was actually going to say the opposite because I feel like people do gag oh. gifts for, for people that like are acquaintances or like coworkers, people. I mean, you can do it for somebody you're close to, obviously, but I feel like most people go for like really nice gifts for the people that they love. And then when you do like a gift exchange at work, it's like gag gifts or stuff. Oh, yeah. See, I do the opposite. And I I'll usually give like Graham usually gets like one gag gift. That's cute. A year. I like that. Yeah. This is also cute. They, there were, um, they also had these small figurines made of like wax or pottery made called sigillaria. And the poet Catullus, Catullus, I don't know how to pronounce it. Catullus, I'll say, called it the best of days, aka the most wonderful time of the year. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, yeah, so in Roman mythology, Saturn was an agricultural deity who was said to have reigned over the world in the Golden Age when humans enjoyed the spontaneous bounty of the earth without labor in a state of innocence. So pretty much kind of like Garden of Eden vibes, like everything was perfect and happy before, you know, shit hit the fan and he was the ruler of that world. Um, And so people really associate him with just like bounty and happiness and abundance. So the revelries of Saturnalia were supposed to reflect the conditions of that lost mythical age. And then Mm -hmm. also shout out to the Greeks who had a very equivalent festival called Cronia. So, yeah. So during this time, there is this poet called it's funny, like these. um, There's so many of these like Roman or Greek poets that they just go by like a single name like Beyonce. You just know who you're talking about. So this guy, (laughs) there is this poet, an Augustine poet called Horace, and he dubbed this festival the December Liberty. So again, this was a time of just like liberation. People were free to do whatever the fuck they want, which like the purge, but not but not as dark. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) as dark. Um, People weren't just like going off, killing each other. It, It was just like celebrating in however way you want yeah it was about celebration like it wasn't just like i can do whatever the fuck i want it's like i'm going to celebrate mm-hmm. and release my inhibitions that maybe society would you know have on me any other regular day so yeah so again like the slaves and the masters there were like the role reversals and the slaves were treated to a banquet of the kind that usually the masters enjoyed and ancient sources Kind of differ on this, but some sources say that the masters and slaves dined together or that even um, the slaves feasted first and then the masters ate or that the masters actually, <laughs> right. you know, like played as slaves and, you know, served the food and, and did all the things that the slaves would normally do. Um, I think it w- probably all things are true. But right. yeah, another characteristic of this time was the toga. It was... um. Uh, you know, very characteristic of like a male Roman citizen. Um, the toga was actually set aside and they instead would wear the Greek synthesis, which is um, like these really colorful dinner clothes. Mm-hmm. And when you think of synthesis, it's like bringing things together. It's like alluding to the fact that these 
like robes or clothes were made out of many different materials and fabrics. And so you had like a lot of different colors. And so it wasn't just like that simple white toga or whatever. But yeah, so like the synthesis would otherwise have been thought to be like if you wear it in in daytime, it would be of poor taste. But people would like don these. So imagine like going to work in like a full sequence, like floor length gown is kind of like, you know, what people would do. Like they would just like go all out dressed to the nines during the daytime. Um, So again, revelry, celebration and um, the gift giving. So. We've touched on the gag gifts, but children also received toys as gifts during this time. And in many of the, another poet, his name is Marshall, in many of his poems about Saturnalia, there was both expensive and the quite cheap gifts. Uh, there was like writing, you could give people writing tablets, dice, knuckle bones, money boxes, combs, toothpicks, a hat, a hunting knife, an axe, various lamps, <laughs> balls. <laughs> Perfumes, pipes, a pig even. I guess here's my animal. Oh, yeah. A sausage, a parrot, tables, cups, spoons, items of- A pig and a sausage. (laughs) Can you imagine? Here's a pig and here's a sausage. (laughs) The before and after. This is dad. (laughs) Dark. Oh, man. Um, So, yeah, it can be anything like books, masks, more pets. Gifts might be as costly as giving somebody a slave or an exotic animal. But again, um, so this is one of the sources. So this poet Marshall suggests that token gifts of low intrinsic value inversely measure the high quality of friendship. Got it. And um, patrons or like people's bosses, like whoever's like higher up than you might pass along a gratuity. Mm -hmm. And this is like the origins of like a Christmas bonus uh, to their poor clients or dependents to help them buy gifts for their loved ones. Um, so some emperors were noted for their devoted observance, observances of um, sigillaria. So sigillaria is this is the the gift giving portion of Saturnalia, and in a practice that might be compared to modern greeting cards, verses sometimes accompany these gifts. So Marshall himself had a collection of poems that scholars have looked back, and the context of it writes as if it's in the context of like it's attached to a gift. Right. So um, you don't just like definitely. Yeah, which is like. <laughs> Which is kind of crazy because it's like, I feel like maybe not every Christmas gift comes with a card, but other mm-hmm. gifts that you give to people like for your birthday or whatever often come with a greeting card. And yeah, yeah so that's where that comes from. <laughs> okay, this is funny. This is one of the gag gifts. So the poet that I mentioned earlier that I did not know how to pronounce, Catalyst or Catalyst, Catalyst, however you say it, he actually had received a book of bad poems. By the worst poet of all time as a joke from a friend. <laughs> so they had humor, which is I think it's kind of fun reading about this because you think of like people in history. You don't often think of them as human as we are that we they like to poke fun of their friends. They like to do pranks. Yeah. Um, so that was like the gift giving during Saturnalia and a little like side thing also celebrated around this time by a cult group of Romans um, was the god Mithras. And the festivities known as Mithraeum. Um, so that was celebrated as a part of a mystery religion in this small like sect of people in ancient Rome. So Mithras was a god of the sun who was born. This sounds familiar. Born around the time of the winter solstice and then experienced a resurrection around the spring equinox. Wait, who's that? That's the Mithras. 
Oh, you mean J- JC? Do you mean JC? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, this was, I think, um, you know, obviously when you think of the early, like, missionaries or, like, Christians trying to convert these pagans, they really were like, hey, you know, our two guys aren't all that different. Right. So some of the rituals and worship of Mithras was, so the Mithraic New Year and the birthday of Mithras was actually on December 25th. Mm-hmm. So that's probably where Christians kind of got that specific date for Christmas. Right. Some scholars like disagree, but there is one scholar like this guy named Klaus or whatever. It says the Mithraic mysteries had no public ceremonies of its own. The festival of Natilis Invicti held on December 25th was a general festival of the sun and by no means specific to the mysteries of Mithras. <laughs> so some debate there, but there was a specific right. celebration by a small sect of people that was on December 25th. And honestly, it probably went both ways. If it was like Mithras was a god of the sun and we're celebrating the sun on December 25th. So whatever. There's December 25th. That's where that date comes from. Um, right. And Mithraic initiates were required to swear an oath of secrecy and dedication. And some uh, rituals involved the recital of a catechism where the initiate oh. was asked a series qu- of questions pertaining to the initiation symbolism and had to reply with specific answers, which is like, yep, I did that. Yep. Not for, obviously, Mithras, but when I was confirmed, <laughs> like, there's a whole thing, certain responses yep. I have to say to questions. So, consequently, it had been argued that most Mithraic rituals involved a reenactment of the initiates of episodes in the Mithras narrative, which Christian Christians do as well when you um, do the... Uh, Stations of the Cross, when you do the reenactments. So, obviously, we don't talk about, you know, the crucifixion around Christmas time, but very, very similar. So, the main elements of this narrative of the of Mithras was he was born from a rock and then striking water from stone with an arrow shot, the killing of a bull, there's this guy's soul and his submission to Mithras, and then Mithras and Sol are feasting on the bull, and then the ascent of Mithras to heaven in a chariot, which that also sounds very familiar. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of parallels to uh, Jesus Christ here. And a noticeable feature of this narrative and of its regular depiction in surviving sets of relief carvings is the absence of female persons, people. Um, the oh. sole exception being Luna watching the... I don't know what this means. This is, this is from Wiki. I don't know what this means, guys. But the sole exception being Luna, who's another goddess, watching the Tarochtony in the upper corner opposite Helios. I don't, I don't know. Basically, like, the, like only, the only female... The only <laughs> chick was Luna, the god of the moon, is what that says. Right. But yeah, so that is... In as much of a nutshell as I can get it, Saturnalia, and then a little tidbit, tidbit on Mithros. Very cool. Yeah. And like easy to see how that ties into like how we celebrate Christmas. Oh, today. totally. Totally. Like it doesn't need much explanation. <laughs> yeah, I think um I think it's explained right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Well then we can get into Yule. Yeah. We've all been wondering yes, what yes, the yes. fuck is Yule? So Yule is a festival. That was historically observed by the Germanic and Scandinavian peoples. So a lot of people may not know this, but um, 
Germanic paganism is a thing. Mm-hmm. And a lot of Germanic paganism carries over to Scandinavian. A lot of similar um, yeah, deities and stories. Did that have to do with some sort of like diaspora of a group of Scandinavian peoples or maybe Germanic peoples to Scandinavia? Because there's so many similarities. I'm pretty sure it was Germanic to Scandinavia. Okay. And then they kind of blended with the people up there. Okay. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Um, which is like a whole other thing I could get into. Well, let's stick with Yule. <laughs> Um, it's from this festival that we get a lot of our modern day traditions, like the Yule log, and maybe you won't know these too well, but the Yule goat and Yule boar and Yule singing, which Yule singing is just like caroling. Mm -hmm. Um, and then there's other things that stem from this. So back in the day, the ancient Scandinavians had a celebration. They called it Yule. And that later became Yule when the English... Got a hold of the so Yol celebration J O L, Yol yeah J O L. In the Scandinavian modern age, it's called Yule, but it's spelled J U L. And then those that are still in Iceland and the Faroe Islands, they still use the old Yule. Oh, so it's still cool. still kind of a thing. Which, if you study Old Norse, um. Which, you know, it's not really a language anymore, but the closest thing to it is modern Icelandic. Right. Which is kind of cool. And, like, isn't Merry Christmas in Scandinavian still, like, God Yule, right? Um, you can, I think, technically say that, but they do have another word. Okay. When they say, and I'll get to that, because I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, according to old Norse expert and handsome cowboy, Jackson Crawford... <laughs> Because he kind of is. Yeah. Um, Yule was a three-night festival starting on midwinter, which was the winter solstice. Mm -hmm. And it may or may not have been, or may or may not have involved a lot of feast, drinking, sacrifices, and oath-making. So, unfortunately, like all other Norse things, we don't know that much because not much was recorded. And what was recorded was fairly Christianized. and it was viewed as more of like a myth versus, hey, this is how these people lived their life mm-hmm. and these are the rituals that they did. Yeah. So it's kind of taken some like deep study to figure out what we do know. Yeah. So Hokanar, also known as Hokanar the Good, was a king of Norway and he was a Christian. Hmm. Um, but he didn't expect anyone else to be a Christian. It was like, no sweat. Like, I converted, but you don't have to. That's cool. And, yeah, I, that's how a lot of them were in, like, in that area back in those days. It was kind of like, mm-hmm. I made this decision, but, like, it's cool you don't have to. Though there was some killing eventually, but wasn't as terrible. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Not like some of the other places there. Um, when it came to the winter solstice, he didn't care what people celebrated, whether they celebrated Christmas or Yule. Mm-hmm. Um, he just cared that they celebrated one of them. Okay. So his one stipulation to this, like choosing what to celebrate, and it's super Norse, is that there was a minimum amount of alcohol that had to be consumed by a person <laughs> to demonstrate that they were celebrating one of the holidays. Don't have to tell me twice. S- the numbers in the sagas, because that's the sagas are what we have to go off of. Mm-hmm. 
they don't have like an exact translation, like measurements and shit was so different back then. But Jackson Crawford, <laughs> let's call him Norse Daddy. There's caffeinated Laura. <laughs> He's back again. Norse Daddy <laughs> estimates Norse that this daddy. minimum. <laughs> I just watched some of his videos. You'll probably call him that too. <laughs> just saying. Um, this this minimum amount is estimated to have been 14 gallons. Is this per family, per person? Do we know? Per person. Yikes. Per person. <laughs> yeah. Over how long? Um, it was about three days. Fuck. I don't even drink <laughs> I don't even drink four gallons in three days. No. I mean as water. <laughs> yeah, and this is pure this is alcohol. Shit. This is yeah. That's all you had to do. So I drink mean. yourself to oblivion and um that's all that's required of you. Perfect. Yeah, pretty much. Like I said, it's super Norse. Oh my gosh. Um and also, like, horse meat was grossly popular around this oh. time, too. Sacrificing horses Aww. was a thing. And I just, I have a hard time wrapping my head around it. But at the same time, I guess, like, I, if you eat other animals, why wouldn't you eat horses, too? I know. I think I, it's just, yeah. Yeah. It was so funny because I was watching um, uh, the TikToker. I think her handle is, like, Sheena Nova. And she's the um, really famous uh, TikToker that she's Inuit. And she oh, talks, okay. she like raises awareness about um, Canadian indigenous peoples and particularly her like Inuit heritage. But she did a video on <laughs> like how her family eats like raw beluga whale fat. Wait, is she the throat singer? Yes. Oh my God. So beautiful. I follow her too. <clears throat> I follow her too. Yeah. Her throat. The and throat her singing is. Yeah. I follow her mom too. Her thro- the throat singing is so beautiful. <laughs> which is I like, what the fuck Prince Charles and... Uh, Camilla, get your shit together. That did you see that? That they were like laughing at people who were throat singing, as like a, a, yeah. at a, an event. It's fucked up. It was. I'm like, what the fuck, you imperialist bitch. Yeah, super fucked so, up. So no, I the throat singing's beautiful. It's gorgeous. Uh, anyways, yeah. She was. She made this like little video, like mocking somebody, like a you know, white Caucasian person. You know, talking about like, oh my gosh, how could you eat beluga meat? Blah blah blah, and just like, well, have you eaten cow, chicken, pork? That's <laughs> that like, um, yeah. I think for me, I know that there's people who are vegetarian or vegan on principle. For me, I don't agree with like you shouldn't eat any animals whatsoever. Like our bodies are made for it. We need protein in some way. And I think as long as you're getting it from a sustainable, ethical source, I'm not going to feel guilty about it. Thank you very much. Yeah, I, I was vegan for a while and um, I had my reasons for eating meat again, um, mostly like health medical reasons. And um, I do. I, I strongly believe in eating it ethically. And I think rather than demonizing the act of eating meat, I think focus really needs to be on um, like factory farming mm-hmm, situations. For sure. Yeah. Because those are super fun. Oh, yeah. And that's what I was going to say, support too, those. is like how she said, like, I think you're confused. She said something like, I think you're confusory- confusing factory, like industrial mm-hmm. farming with like what we do. <laughs> 
Right. Yeah, and that's different. a whole other topic, so too, is like the whole indigenous people's rights mm-hmm. to their food yeah. and how they get their food yeah. and how we need to stay the fuck out of it. And they do it in like the most ethical way, like better than anybody yeah. else, really. And they use every single fucking part of that animal, which is like if yep. you're going to take a living creature's life, which I get that some people are appalled at, like that you would whatever. Yeah. Um, We've been doing it for thousands of years, guys. The best thing that you can do to respect that animal whose life you've taken is to use every fucking part of it. And that's what they do. Yeah. yeah. That's I fully support as a meat eater. I fully support um, butcher, bleh, butcher shops. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For sure. And getting every buy an animal if you can afford it and use everything. Yeah. But anyways, yeah. we digress. Sorry for the interruption. You Super digress. <laughs> um, but speaking of animals. The first tradition that I will get into is the Yule goat. Okay, I was wondering about this because I had never heard of Yule goat. I've only ever heard of the Yule log, so I'm stoked to learn. I love the Yule goat. We don't have one. And I don't know why we don't have one. We just haven't. Anyway, so the Yule goats or Yule bakken is a straw goat that is still customary to this day. Like it's a very big thing Hmm. in Scandinavia. It's thought that this represents Thor's goats. Um, t- I can't roll my R's, so I apologize for this. But Tangrisnir and Tangnyoster. Say that three times fast. Those are his goats. <laughs> <laughs> so these goats pulled his chariot. And so I think the Thor that most of us think of mm-hmm. is either the one that we know from Marvel <laughs> or just... A lot of images that are put out there is this big, strong man yeah. and his hammer. Yeah. Um, but the real Thor rode around in a chariot pulled by two goats. I love he it. He also was not blonde. He was a redhead. And right. it's thought that he actually was quite plump. Oh, really? So not like all yeah. yoked like Crim's, Chris no. Hemsworth? <laughs> not at all. Chris Hemsworth is not historical or any i said historical (laughs) um thor actually also required special gloves to wield mjolnir he couldn't just do it on his own it wasn't necessarily about being worthy he had um gloves and i think he also had like a a belt Mm -hmm. that helped him so just just a little fun fact about thor good to know now his goats their names translate to teeth bearer slash snarler and teeth grinder which i love i am both those things it's it's a pain (laughs) literally (laughs) i i love the i'm obsessed with those names but they're though they're a mouthful so anyway this yule goat is is more than than just that though so it's thought that the last sheaf of grain bundled in the harvest that like they mm-hmm. just did mm-hmm. a couple months prior um, contained magical properties, and that was then used to create the Yule goat. Oh. So you wanted to kind of capture those magical properties and keep it in your home. Got it. So in Sweden, it's believed that the spirit of the Yule goat, that it's actually a real thing, it's the spirit, um, appears to ensure that people are preparing for Yule festivities properly. <laughs> 14 gallons properly. Shit, man. <laughs> um, I couldn't find anything that said, like, what if you weren't? What would this that goat do? That was my next question. Couldn't find it. You I would assume... just, like, grind? No. 
I was gonna say you just grind his teeth in your ears all night, but <laughs> yeah, snarl his teeth. Yeah. Now, the goats don't do that, so I don't know. They just chew their chud. I know, right? Which is so gross. Gra- Grandma and I one like when the goats were fresh in our home. Mm-hmm. He was mentioning like they're chewing something, but they I didn't see them eat anything, and we're like, oh. Because of all the different stomachs they have, it goes into one stomach, throws it back up into their mouth, they chew it up more, and then it goes into the next one. So they, like, keep chewing on... Uh-huh. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah, at the farm Maybe we that's had... that's what um, they do. We had... I think we had, uh, like, four or five different goats at one point. Um, yeah, I had to explain that to a little kid once. She's like, what is he eating? I'm like, uh... Just throw up. And their mouths are so tough. They eat like thorned yeah. brambles of things. Like it's nothing. Yep. And they've got such cute little mouths. I know. They're though. so adorable. And they're weird ass pupils. Ooh. Just look at you. Yes. I The best love fucking periphery vision ever. <laughs> it's wild. Oh, goats. So, what was I saying? Oh, so preparing properly. Um, with your 14 gallons of alcohol. <laughs> um, and I, so I wrote, basically Norse gods just want you drunk. <laughs> They're not the be good and ye will be rewarded type gods. They are the let's fuck around and see what happens type. <laughs> they just want everyone to have a good time, man. Yeah. So in older Scandinavian society, a popular Christmas prank, because the Scandinavians played pranks too. <laughs> was to place the Yule goat in a neighbor's house without them noticing. And then the family successfully pranked had to get rid of it in the same way. So it was just this Yule goat that kind of made it from house to house to house so long as you weren't noticed placing the goat in their house, which I actually absolutely love. Got it. So the Yule goat went from house to house where you just be chilling and be like, oh, my God, there's the goat staring at me. Okay. I think it'd be more hilarious if it was a real goat. Uh. (laughs) But anyway. (laughs) So this also connects to a Scandinavian custom similar to wassailing. Wassailing? Wassailing? Mm -hmm. I don't know why I'm tripping up on that word now. Um, Which was also known as Yule singing. Now the wassailing, if you don't know, is an English custom of door-to-door singing and offering drinks for gifts. Um, so in Scandinavia, this was also called Yule Bucking. Yule Bucking. That's right. So people wearing masks and costumes, similar to Halloween, uh, Yule, Bookers, Yule Bookers would go door to door where neighbors receiving them attempt to identify who's under the disguise. In one version of Yule Bucking, people go from door to door singing Christmas songs. After they've sung, they're usually rewarded with candy. Also, again, like Halloween. Another tradition requires that at least one person from the visited household join the band of Yulebuckers and continue to the next household, mm-hmm. which I've seen that with, like, modern-day caroling, yeah. too. Yeah, Carolers are so pushy. And, like, if you're a caroler, fine, yes, but, like, are. this explains why they're so goddamn pushy. It's just for the reward. They're like, all right, I'm going to sing at your face. Now give me shit. Yep. They, they wanted shit. That's what <laughs> they did it for. But in other accounts, they didn't. 
They would go door to door, but they didn't offer drinks for gifts. They would enact plays and perform pranks while dressed up with at least one person dressed as the Yule goat, who was often um, displaying like rowdy behavior mm-hmm. and sometimes was be scary. Yeah. Which also is kind of connected. I didn't really include this in this, but uh, the Mari Lewid of Welsh customs, which is the horse head. Oh. In the white sheet. Mm-hmm. That goes door to door. Yeah. And over time, the Yule goat became known as a gift giver, just like Santa. Like, exactly like Santa, Uh but a goat. (laughs) But a goat. (laughs) But a goat. A goat would come and give you gifts. Um, And nowadays, you'll often see a Yule goat hanging in Scandinavian homes made with straw and held together with red ribbon. Cute. Super cute. I like that. Now, another big thing that they did at Yule, which also actually connects a little bit with our New Year's tradition, Mm -hmm. was oath swearing. Ooh. So Norse culture, swearing an oath was a very big deal. Yeah. Everyone did it. and But it was very, an oath, you don't break an oath. Right. You have to follow through with it. It's punishable by death if you break an oath. Shit. So it was important at all times, but was even more important during Yule. And this oath swearing was called, uh, I couldn't figure out how to pronounce this, Heitstanging. Heitstang. I can't roll my fucking R's. So the sagas that talk about this say that that evening the great vows were taken, the sacred boar was brought in, the man laid their hands thereon and took their vows at the king's toast. Okay. This is how they celebrated Yule. So an oath sworn on Yule was considered extra sacred. Oh, shit. I'll get to the Yule boar in a bit, but there's some evidence that a boar was used to swear on rather than a Bible. Or a sausage. Oh, they brought (laughs) a full fucking boar alive at this point. I'm just thinking back to the Romans. (laughs) A pig and a sausage. (laughs) Sausage. <laughs> um, so this oath swearing is arguably where we get New Year's resolutions from. Cool. Because it was things that you would swear to do in the upcoming year. It wasn't like I'm Got doing it. this right now. Just I right. have an entire year to get this done. Cool. Um, only difference is if you didn't make this New Year's resolution, you would be killed. Oh, cool. Yeah. Shit. Yeah, so maybe so, making your resolution this year, keep that in mind. Oh, my God. <laughs> it was very important. Well, um, I know that, like, I mean, like, keeping your word was, like, really fucking huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you didn't want to be an oath breaker. That was, like, the worst possible thing mm-hmm. you could be. Right. So now the Yule lore was what they swore on for their oaths. And this was he was also called the Sonnergolter. And the sagas also say, and they would sacrifice a boar in the Sonnerblot on Yule Eve. The Sonnerblot, Sonner boar was led into the hall before the king. Then people laid their hands on its bristles and made vows. So it was essentially swear on this boar and then kill it and then eat it. Mm-hmm. And the Sonnerblot, if you remember, blot is a sacrifice. Yes. So. So the choice of a boar indicates a connection to Freyr, who is Freya's brother, who rode the gold-bristled boar Gulenbursti. Mm-hmm. Fucking name. Um, 
But we later see this tradition evolve into the Swedish tradition of eating pig-shaped cakes at Christmas. Oh. And then later eating a boar's head at Christmas banquets in England. And finally, the Christmas ham that many of us eat today. Oh, fuck. Mind blown. But have you ever had head cheese, though? That shit's delicious. I, I I haven't been able to make myself do it. I've heard it's good. It's so good. You know what? Thistle Meats sometimes has some head cheese. Oh, okay. That they make. Yeah, that was actually the first time I tried head cheese was at Thistle Meats. And they'll like sell it by like the slice or you can just like buy a loaf of it. But Mm -hmm. it's fucking good. I want to make it for myself one day, but I'd have to like try to get a connection on buying a pig head from somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Any butcher probably. Yeah. Because I'm sure there's not a ton of people asking for the head of a pig. (laughs) Just give me the whole head. We actually, I mean, we did. We asked for everything. Nice. But we didn't get everything. I was really upset about that. Oh, that's right. You told me about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, Which... Thistle Meats. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to totally hit them up, actually, tomorrow when I'm in town. And see if they have some. I'm in the mood for it now. I'm craving it. <laughs> well, speaking of craving things, the next thing is the Yule Log. Mm. Which I promise this evolves into something you eat. <laughs> This is why I'm saying you crave it. Yeah. (laughs) Me eat some bark. (laughs) Hey, if you're a goat, you love bark. Yeah, if you eat your goat, you love anything if it goes in your mouth. (laughs) That sounded much dirtier coming out. Ooh. I'm just, never mind. I'm going to. A little bit. I'll be actually there. There are some things that they will not eat. They actually can be picky, which is funny. Hmm. Because I wasn't picking them for that. So, anyway, view a log. So there's nothing that really um, definitively pinpoints where exactly the Yule Log originated from. Mm-hmm. Like there's lots of accounts of it, but not much that shows like where the first one was. Right. Um, but it's pretty believed that it stemmed from Germanic paganism. So mm-hmm. the first stories that we have are of the Norse cutting down a large, and I found several accounts, of oak or ash trees. Mm-hmm. And they would carve runes into it. Ah. And then they would burn the log at home to ask for protection during the winter. So part of the log was saved until the next Yule to keep the protective powers in the home. Oh, okay. And so it was kind of like you have your log and then you put it into the fire and let it burn for a bit. Um, And this kind of happened during the 12 days of Christmas. So Christmas Day through January 5th. Got it. You would burn a little bit each day. Um, in Provence, France, it was traditional that the whole family helps cut down the log um, and that a little bit is burnt each night. And if any of the log is left after 12th night, that 12th day of Christmas, it's mm-hmm. kept safe in the house until the next Christmas to forget, protect against specifically lightning. Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, and in some parts of the Netherlands, this was also done, but the log had to be stored under a bed. Okay. And in some Eastern European countries, the log was cut down on Christmas Eve morning and lit that evening. Wow. So a lot of Very people different. had this. Yeah. But it was always a log, a tree. Interesting. Um, and it's also, yeah, so England... They had theirs. The tree that they would cut down was like an oak tree. Scotland was birch. France was cherry. So it's like what the you know, 
the common tree of the area, really. Yeah. Yeah. And the log was symbolic of the first ember of the sun coming back to life and warming the Mm. land. So lighting this within your home was thought to be good fortune. Got it. Um, And then this tradition of a log eventually turned into the Yule log cake. Yeah, that's what I was going to say when you said like craving. I'm like, I know we're going to get to the cake at one point. Oh, yeah. I love Yule Logs. So they're super delicious. They're not that hard to make. The first time I ever made one, I actually made it gluten-free before I was gluten-free. And it turned out really well. I tried, I think, the year after. I tried making one that wasn't gluten-free, and it Mm -hmm. didn't turn out as good. Interesting. Yeah, I thought that was super interesting. But um, so nowadays you you can buy from a bakery a Yule Log, and it just, it's, Oh, it's delicious. It's a cake, and it's covered in chocolate, and yep. it looks like a log. Mm-hmm. Baskin-Robbins also makes ice cream Yule log cakes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the kind so- I like. I'm, I'm just such – I love ice cream. That's, like, my favorite is ice cream. So um, just don't keep it under your bed if you don't finish it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, recipe for disaster there. <laughs> Wake up covered in ants. Oh, my God. Uh, so then we get to the Yule tree. So this is actually really interesting. You can look up the origins of the Christmas tree. Yeah. And there's a lot of different stories all claiming to be the correct one. So it's thought that the Druids decorated evergreen trees with the gifts that they wanted from the gods, as well as pine cones, berries, and other fruit. Now, I also saw that this tradition um, came from the Romans as well, mm-hmm. but I couldn't find much more than that. Okay. Um, and it wasn't like they cut down a tree and brought it in the house. It was like a tree outside that they would go and decorate. And the tradition of stringing popcorn and berries was actually thought to be for, like, visiting birds to have something to cute. eat from. I like Super that. Super cute. But the tree that we know today of, like, bringing it inside and putting lights on it actually may have been started by Martin Luther, the 16th century Protestant reformer. So not quite so pagan. Hmm. Um, But it's thought that he was the first to put candles on the tree. Right. Mm -hmm. Which, you know, highly recommend against that. These so days. dangerous. How I don't understand <laughs> to this day how they did that without burning all their houses I down. I have no idea. Kind of scary. Yeah. <laughs> so then I have a couple little like super quick little Christmas related things that for the most part go back to the Norse. But first being mistletoe. Yeah. So we all know mistletoe as what you kiss under, right? Mm-hmm. No matter what, you have to kiss the person. Well, the Norse believed that mistletoe had the power of resurrection, even though it's, you know, poisonous. Well, I mean, it's a parasite. Yeah. (laughs) In any case, Baldr, the god of light and goodness, was killed by mistletoe. And his mother, Freya, um, her tears turned the mistletoe berry from red to white, and her love brought him back to life. Oh, and that's seen as like maybe this is why kissing someone under mistletoe leads to love. Oh, like the association of love. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, and I can't really find any other story associated with that. So 
that's kind of why that's the most persistent thought. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, if you're using mistletoe these days, keep them out of reach of pets and children. It can make humans sick and is toxic to your pets. So if you're going to hang it up, hang it up high. (laughs) Yeah. Or just get like the fake mistletoe. I kind of do that. Um, Another thing super popular Christmas time is wreaths. Um, They were traditional in ancient times because wreaths symbolized. They didn't call it the wheel of the year. That's the more modern terminology, but a cycle. Yeah. A year-round cycle of realizing, like, okay, yes, it's going to get cold and dark, but the sun comes out again. Mm -hmm. It took them a while, as we know, to realize. It always came back. Um, They were made of evergreens and adorned with cones and berries and hung as decoration throughout the home. They were also given as a gift to symbolize the infinity of goodwill, friendship, and joyfulness. Nice. I like that. Yeah. Super nice. Um, bells, I couldn't find exactly where they originated from, but they were rung during the winter solstice to drive away demons that surfaced during the dark time of the year. And that's pretty consistent with a lot of, um, different forms of witchcraft in bells. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cleansing. Like, we've gone through that. Like, if you're not big into smoke cleansing, you can cleanse with sound and one of them is bells. Yep. Um, they were rung in the mornings as everyone began to... Wake to chase away the dark days and herald in the warmer, brighter days following the solstice. Yeah. Um, another cool one that I liked is the gingerbread. So this was considered a specialty bread. And since ginger was not available until the Crusaders brought it back in the 11th century. Mm. So there were strict laws regarding specialty breads at this time. So gingerbread was only allowed to be produced during the holidays. And thus, it became associated with winter and Yule. That's Ah. why we eat gingerbread cookies. Yum. Um, And then a final thing connected to Yule, um, and especially the Norse culture, was divination. (gasps) Not in the traditional sense, but there was a sense that, you know, obviously divination actively affects the future. So Mm -hmm. abundant food and alcohol were meant to create abundance for the coming year. So not quite, you know, seeking answers, but more right. setting yourself up. Yeah. Um, so drinking and eating to excess, gluttony even, is not only the centerpiece and most striking characteristic of the feast, it was also a sacred duty as it, as is evident in the widespread custom that a visitor must partake of food and drink to refuse is not acceptable. Right, yeah. So Bad more manners. more ritual than divination, I would say, but they can yeah. go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Um, and just for fun, some deities um, that are Norse that are associated with Yule is obviously first Boulder because of the legend of mistletoe that his right. mom. Um, she honored him and asked all of nature to promise not to harm him. And unfortunately, she overlooked telling this, um, or she overlooked the mistletoe plant. She didn't tell this plant. Oh, okay. So Loki, always Loki, took (laughs) advantage of the opportunity and fooled Baldur's blind twin, Hoder, into killing him with a spear made of mistletoe. Ah. Super fucked up. Look, look, I don't. Okay. Yeah. Loki, you cray. 
He's super. If Loki didn't exist, we wouldn't have any Norse stories. <laughs> he really is all. like the driving force of every plot, almost every plot. <laughs> um, and the next is Frau Holly, and she appears in many different forms in Scandinavian mythology and legend. So she's associated with both the evergreen plants of the Yule season and with snowfall, which is said to be Frau Holly shaking out her feathery mattresses hey you gotta shake them out every now and then apparently on a (laughs) yearly basis (laughs) basically (laughs) and then the final one is odin so in some legends odin bestowed gifts at yuletide upon his people riding a magical flying horse across the sky and this legend may have been combined with that of saint nicholas to create the modern santa claus there's a lot of talk about that of if there's any connection to odin or not some people say absolutely not and some people say yes so interesting well i can definitely see that connection for sure yeah awesome well so now that we've talked about gosh winter solstice saturnalia yule um if you, you know, remember Saturnalia, we're going to go, I'm going to go through like the different ways if you want to lean more Saturnalia in your winter festivities. These are yeah, like um, Roman ancestry. Yeah. If you have Roman ancestry, this is like perfect. Um, yeah. So <clears throat> here's a handful of things that you can do. So incorporating the colors of the holiday, which are green and gold, wearing them, adorning your altars or home with them. Um, You want to decorate over doorways, windows, and even stairs with greenery. Garlands or wreaths are very ideal. And and, um, because Saturnalia is known as like the golden age and like the sun. So doing cutouts of the sun and maybe painting things in gold, like uh, painting pine cones or stuff in gold. Could do that as decorations. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, a lot of people like they have some sort of like yellow cutout of the sun or even of like Mm -hmm. just celestial bodies but you definitely want the sun up there um if you have living trees on your own property you can adorn them with sun symbols stars and the faces of the god uh janus that's j-a-n-u-s that's the double-faced god Mm -hmm. um and where we get the month january from um and he has two faces because he watches over the end of the old year and the beginning of the new one and roman times trees were not brought indoors as laura said like that wasn't until much later um Mm -hmm. so they did go out and decorate ones that they were, were growing on their property so definitely go out and or even if you like you don't have any big trees if you're like in an apartment but you have some like potted plants outside you can hang stuff yeah. on your little potted plants that'd be cute Super um, cute. Yeah. Um, you can also make cookies in the shapes of fertility symbols. Again, suns and moons and stars and um, herd animal shapes. So this was very often done. Um, and you can use, if you're into, uh, you know, food coloring, whether artificial or maybe natural, whatever, you can uh, try to dye these cookies um, green or gold, or maybe you like put green and gold sprinkles on them. Um, and then if you are of le- legal drinking age <laughs> where you live, <laughs> you can make some mulsum, which is a, um, basically like a wine mixed with honey, which was Ooh. very, very popular in the Mediterranean. Like the Greeks drank that mm-hmm. a lot as well as the Romans. Um, and then you can greet people with a traditional cry 
of Eo Saturnalia. So it was Cute. basically kind of their way of saying happy Saturnalia. So it's Eo Saturnalia. Uh, you can invite friends for a feast and party on December 17th. So again, that's when the um, Saturnalia starts, ending on the 23rd. And it's very important. It's like, it's kind of like um, Saturnalia, if you think about it, it, was kind of a mix of our modern day U.S. Thanksgiving with, you know, pagan Christmas, you know? Yeah. So it's like, yeah. So you really want to make sure you're sharing it with friends and family and um, feasting a lot. Uh, again, very similar to, you know, traditional Christmas, you can give small presents, um, including, uh, foods or sweets or candles or lamps, uh, because I feel like light was a big symbol. Again, it's like, you know, celebrating the return of the sun, winter solstice, like the days are getting longer and longer. So anything that kind of symbolizes light is particularly, um, a great gift for Saturnalia and attach a clever note or a short witty poem to your gifts. Uh, just like the the poets did. Um, if you have a lorarium, make sure it is clean. This is like kind of like a think of it as like a little kind of tiny tabletop temple area in your altar. Um, you can put a candle there, display and decorate a statue of Saturnus, and if you have one or a photo of like a photo of the statue or painting of him, like some sort of rep- representation of Saturn. Mm-hmm. And just have like a little devotional corner in your altar. And then finally, celebrating the freedom and destruction of hierarchies. <laughs> it's like the last, I left the most badass one for last. Um, <laughs> so again, Saturnalia was kind of like opposite day in like those role reversals that we talked about. Um, mm-hmm. So you may want to like wear stuff that like, maybe you wear pajamas during the day, which I guess is kind of like, old year with the pandemic maybe not much different but you know just kind of do things that are the opposite of what social norms are obviously don't harm people or yourself in doing so like do it for fun do it for celebration of like freedom of speech and stuff so yeah so those are just uh some some ways that you can celebrate saturnalia love it seems super easy and super you know already kind of what most people incorporate for christmas yeah Yeah, it's just like with an added on theme of the sun and stars and and light yeah right and also kind of just like the whole role reversal thing i think is the unique thing of saturnalia Mm -hmm. um so maybe take some time you know questioning so uh certain social norms maybe sit and meditate on that might be a great way to um mentally celebrate saturnalia oh i like that that's a good one Mm -hmm. yeah challenge those gender norms that's what i would do (laughs) (laughs) um well so if you want to incorporate yule into your holiday season or i mean obviously you can do a mix of both of these things Mm -hmm. um the first thing is to create someone you would say gledeleg yule and that means happy Yule? hmm Nice. Yeah. That's what they said then. It's what they say in Iceland now. Cool. So Old Norse. So the first thing you can do is you can build a Yule altar. So there's a number of different ways you can do this. You can build your altar however you do. Just make it Yule-related. Or um, some, some of us will use our Yule log. So mm-hmm. what I personally do is I save 
the trunk from the tree that we had the previous year. Yeah. And turn that into our current Yule log. And then you can actually, if you have the tools for it, you can um, drill like holes for candles Mm -hmm. and then decorate the log with um, greenery, either, you know, from your tree or, you know, get, go get some evergreens. Um, You can use cinnamon sticks, citrus fruits, star Mm -hmm. anise, cloves, rosemary, um, pine, pine cones holly um whatever works for your home um you can also make a yule wreath yeah like with fresh evergreens or whatever Mm -hmm. it is that you have and add in some of those same elements that you would use on your altar yeah in any other year there would be so many like wreath making workshops that you could attend yeah not so much this year but there um if you'd like to like maybe support a local florist too, yeah, or some small businesses to have like a custom wreath made for you, or look up on YouTube how to make your own wreath, mm-hmm. be fun. And you can make it for yourself, or as you know, I said earlier, they would sometimes give it as a gift. Yeah, I love that. So I think that makes a really pretty gift too. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can also, as I already said, decorate a Yule log for your altar. Or just for fun if you don't have an altar or, you know. And then you can also burn a Yule log starting Christmas Day and burn it like a little bit over the next 12 days. You can decorate a Yule tree kind of like you just said with Saturnalia. Mm-hmm. Is you can either pick a tree outside or your tree inside with some of the same symbolism. You can exchange nature-based gifts. Um, which I think is easy as well as i think it makes it easier to either do it yourself or support local small businesses Mm -hmm. um because you're not going to find many nature-based gifts on amazon yeah no that are like actual nature (laughs) yeah Yeah. uh you can also give back to nature so like i think you were you mentioned with Christmas trees, some of the farms where you can go back and replant. Yeah. People go. Which I think is so Yeah, cute. they like choose a tree. They have it for the Christmas time and then they bring it back to the farm and the farm like replants it. And so you like keep the same, like there's families that keep the same tree and like the tree grows with the family and it's just so beautiful. I love that. Super. Yeah. So that's something you can absolutely do. That would be Yule related. And then finally, you can make oaths that you intend to keep for the following year. So kind of using that mindset of, you know, do I want to be killed if I don't do this? I mean, so maybe it has don't to be something that, extreme. that right, obviously, like, don't, <laughs> don't have someone kill you if you don't complete these. Right. But to take it very seriously, right? Yeah, to give yourself that drive of, I'm, I really want this. And I really want to make this happen. And I kind of like that because, I mean, Yule happens sooner than just right at the new year. So you can kind of get get a head start on those, like, New Year's resolutions. Yep. Yep. And then also, you know, you can – I kind of like the idea now, especially knowing the history of the Christmas ham, is maybe don't put your hands on the ham. (laughs) But (laughs) – you know, Christmas dinner, maybe make that your time to talk about this is what I'm going to do for the following year. And that way you also have people, you know, whoever's in your immediate household this year because mm-hmm. of COVID, um, 
kind of help hold you accountable. Yeah. I like that. If that's what you're into. So some, oh, oh, and candles, candles. As you said, symbolism of the sun. Mm-hmm. Um, with Yule, it's not so much a literal representation of the sun, but light is very big. So um, again, some of the symbols of Yule is holly and oak, mistletoe, ivy, evergreens, um, pine. I'll leave some of those out. And then food and drink of Yule. So you can make a Yule log cake, gingerbread, Mm -hmm. fruits, berries, nuts, pork dishes. Oh, my God. I'm so hungry. Um, I know, right? (laughs) Ginger tea. Mm -hmm. I love ginger tea. Yeah. Especially if you're going to eat a whole ham. Mm -hmm. Spice cider and wassail. Eggnog. Did you say eggnog? Eggnog. That's Mm -hmm. another one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then I, colors. There's some people who hate eggnog. I love I eggnog. <gasps> I really like it. Oh, I love it so much. So yummy. It's delicious. Um, some of the colors of Yule are red, green, white, silver, gold. Uh, red represents the waning holly king. Green represents the waxing oak king. White represents the purity and hope of new light. Silver represents the moon. Gold represents the sun. and that's it that's our episode thanks guys (laughs) um so yeah i think for me as like from the perspective of being a christian witch um Mm -hmm. i think if you are a christian witch uh i like to think there's some of us listening but anyways so if you are a christian witch and you're wondering how to like celebrate yule or honor it first of all first of all you're probably you've probably already been obviously partaking in a lot of these traditions that you maybe didn't realize at first that were appropriated from pagan yule holiday right so again like listening to this episode i think a big thing is like education on differentiating what was um pagan in origin and what actually came from christianity For me, our family, obviously, there's going to be like if, you know, you go to like Christmas mass, um, that's a great way to like celebrate Christmas. Um, But I think as far as like if you're incorporating Yule into your, you know, Christmas day, just understanding where those elements are coming from, I think is going to be the best thing to do. So, I mean, I think we're giving you a really great start, but if there's um, any specific things that you know, your family incorporates uh, to understand, like, where that's coming from. Um, I I kind of myself, though, honestly have a hard time reconciling, like, is it okay for me to celebrate Yule? Like, I know I've already been doing a lot of these things because it's part of, like, the American Hallmark holiday kind of traditions that came from Yule. Um, But for me, it's helped me reconcile it in a way where I'm like, okay, I understand where all these things are coming from. And, um, you know, I'm not going to tell you, like, you can't use evergreens because it comes from Yule. Like, you can't have a Christmas tree because that's coming from, you know, pagan holidays. Like, you, I, you can have those things. But, um, yeah, I think just really understanding where all that comes from um, and just the differentiation. Uh, just really, like, I think just learning 
what Christianity has appropriated from so many cultures. Yeah. So many cultures. For that, I'm going to say, like, as a Christian representative to all, like, non-Christians, we suck and we're sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so... Uh, that's going to be, like, my two cents on if, you know, celebrating Yule or any of these other, like, Saturnalia, um, incorporating mm-hmm. them. Like, I think it's fun to explore different ways on how you can celebrate this time of year, especially if you're na- very nature-based, like me as a green witch. So, I mean, the winter solstice is pretty big for me, um, and as well as just Christmas. But, you know, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Those are my two cents. I don't know how else to kind of wrap that up more eloquently. Yeah. But no, that makes sense to me. And I think that's um, it sounds really good. Mm -hmm. A good standpoint. I mean, for me, you know, if you are wanting to celebrate Yule and you are pagan or, you know, some other type of witch or even maybe you don't have a belief, you're just kind of interested in learning about things. Yeah. It's a little easier to celebrate Yule. Yeah. Um, for me, it's I look at it more as you know stemming from. I mean, a lot of paganism. Yes, there were deities, but it was just so nature based and making sense of the physical world mm-hmm. that it's um, to me a little bit more of a celebration of that. Of just we've made it through to this next season and we're going to get through this season onto the next one and we're going to just keep on going. Um, And having these little celebrations is just kind of like helps you going. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I think especially this year with, um, you know, not being I'm not going to be going to like my aunts to see family. It's just going to be me and Graham at home for Christmas. Yeah. Um, I I kind of like knowing the roots of a lot of the traditions that we do because it kind of helps me refocus on what's important. What's um, not that there's things that are, aren't important that we won't be doing this year, but um, it makes me feel a little bit more comfortable with it. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Cool beans. Yeah. That's it. That's I think that's all I really have to say about celebrating Yule as a pagan is it's it's hey. It's hey. We did this. <laughs> <laughs> we are re coming into our I don't know what the what our fucking ancestors did forever. Ago. Reclaim yeah, just like reclaiming your traditions. Reclaiming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, gosh, I remember way back in the day, my very first job during college working as a host in, at Applebee's and I had a coworker, um, another host that she was pagan. I remember her telling me and it felt so foreign and alien to me and almost in that like, mm-hmm. I'm not proud of way. Like, I'm like, that's weird. Mm-hmm. And so to know that in paganism has, um, arisen again like there's more and more people reaching towards witchcraft and neo-paganism and so for all of my i guess maybe more mainstream or christian listeners um like i guess you know acknowledge your pagan friends 
Like on top of just oh, acknowledging yeah. pagan roots, I think it's like I, I, you know, I look back and I not that I told my coworker I'm like that's weird, but I'm like that's really <laughs> interesting. Like that was the first time I'd ever met someone that was admittedly a pagan that told me like, oh yeah, I'm pagan, mm-hmm. and right. I, I didn't even know what that fully meant either. Um, and so I did not really know like what to tell her. So I'm like, I was just yeah. like, that's interesting, but like, you know engage with your pagan friends ask them like what they're doing to celebrate um if they're celebrating yule you know tell them blessed yule um just like how you know if if hey if like you have a friend so like just be aware of there's so many different ways that people celebrate this time of year i just think i was just gonna say too especially you know if you have jewish friends celebrating hanukkah learn about it yeah find out more of what that actually means like think of it this way like um if if you're jewish or like you just don't celebrate christmas and all of society at this time revolves around christmas which is a holiday that you don't relate to and yet you're forced Mm -hmm. to take the day off but on your actual days of celebration you can't take those days off that fucking sucks yeah like that fucking sucks. I think just make sure that you acknowledge, um, you know, the different ways that people celebrate and be so be considerate of that. Uh, don't assume that everyone is on the same page as you. I think is pretty big right now. Yeah, I, I think so, too. And I think that's I don't know. I lately have been seeing and hearing a lot of people talking about, you know, holiday greetings and what's appropriate and what's not appropriate. Like what to say. And Happy like, holidays. Yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah, and people, like, being upset. They can't just say Merry Christmas to everyone, which, as a pagan, I'm not bothered by it, but I'm also a pagan that was a former Catholic. Right. I grew up Catholic, so it's not as weird for me. But, you know, had I always been pagan, or, you know, celebrate Hanukkah or Kwanzaa or whatever else, Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know. I think it's important to look at it that way, too. Yeah. Yeah. Happy Holidays is fantastic. I think, yeah, happy holidays is always a great just blanket term because there are so many holidays happening right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and you could even just be like, happy winter solstice because that is undeniably what's happening. You know, that's where all of it's this true. comes from mm-hmm. is winter solstice. So, you know, you can even just ask, like, what are you doing to celebrate, you know, winter this year just be very open i think just like engaging yeah. in conversation and if you don't know what to say happy holidays is always a really great like default yeah but yeah guys i hope you like learned a bunch i know that i did through this research yeah thank you laura for you know i know that you're a part of the notes where the most like in-depth the uh, yule is you know you went really deep dive into yule which is awesome um and I would love to know if anyone does celebrate Saturnalia, like any yes. like Roman pantheon pagans out there. Like, I'd love to I'd really like to yeah. find that out. Yeah. I kind of it makes me like I'm not like even of that descent, but mm-hmm. Graham is. Oh, right. So now part of me is kind of like, you know, I don't want to do it for me, but like maybe get him into it and then like yeah. our future kids because they'll be a part of that. That's so true. So, so true. For sure. Um, man, well, we we hope that, you know, whatever you are celebrating this winter, or if you're not celebrating anything at all, that you're having a great December. If you have any more questions or whatever, please reach out to us on our social yes. meds. Um, 
at the new witches pretty much everywhere uh tiktok coming soon (laughs) for however long tiktok will be a thing i don't really fully understand like why people say that whatever's going on with tiktok that it might be taken down it's a U.S. thing. I don't know. Yeah. I don't think it's going to happen. Well, watch. Okay, just like what happened with Snapchat, I feel like like ever since the Instagram reels, um, they're going to like up the ante on, on, on the reels on Instagram where it's going to like offer everything that TikTok does. Yeah. And that, you know, TikTok will become obsolete. For now, I've been really enjoying learning more and more about TikTok. For now, I'm much more of like an observer. Don't really create any TikToks. But... I... The people I follow, it's the most interesting. And you learn a lot about me if you look at who I follow. I follow a lot of doctors mm-hmm. with different specialties, mm-hmm. uh, Norse language specialists. Uh, I mean, like a couple of funny people. Uh, there's like this anti MLM chick that I follow. She's really good, cool. like informative content. Nice. But not a lot of, like, what I think other people follow on TikTok. <laughs> I just follow a lot of, like, really funny people and some witchy people and a lot of indigenous people because I've been really mm-hmm. enjoying being educated via TikTok about indigenous peoples. It is, I think, in terms of education, indigenous learning on TikTok is pretty fucking good. Yeah, it's, it's really, really good. good. Like, people complain about, like, witch talk and I agree, like, that's, like, a fucking hot mess. But indigenous witch... Uh, in, oh, my God, I almost said indigenous witch talk. <laughs> indigenous TikTok? Oh, my gosh. It's been so informative and giving me so much more confidence on how to approach subjects. Yeah. Like, with indigenous people, about indigenous people. I admittedly don't know many, like, fully indigenous people. I have, like, friends that are, like, descended, like, they have some Cherokee or this and that, like, but very, very little, like, they're very, very mixed. Um, Really great to hear from people who are fully within that community. And, uh, yeah, but, okay, we digress. So, yeah, if you want to reach out or connect with us on social media, we're at The New Witches pretty much everywhere. And uh, you can also contact us through our website, thenewwitches.com. you can also submit listener stories there if you'd like to submit. That's coming up next week. Yes, that is. Or I guess not next week. Next week when we're recording this. Um, this week when this episode comes out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, gosh, what else? Um, I don't know. You talk, Laura. I'm having a brain fart. Sorry. I got sidetracked because my phone said I had 10%. And I was like, oh, shit. Did we shout out, Sarah? Oh my gosh. Yeah, we suck. Okay. Shout out to Sarah. <laughs> so if you'd like to support us, a great way to do that is Patreon. And when you are a Patreon member, one of your exclusive benefits is you get an on episode on the air shout out. So thank you to Sarah Tatum this episode. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Sarah. This Yule slash Saturnalia slash Winter Solstice episode is brought to you by Sarah Tatum. Thank you so much for your support and welcome to our witchy community online. Um, so, yeah, so you get exclusive benefits, including being put on our close friends list on social media. Um, you get some blog posts on Patreon. You get ex- uh, a bonus Patreon exclusive episode a month as well an ex- as an extended um, mm-hmm. episode version of Creepy Stories with Laura. 
and which is on there currently. Yep. And for this month. Um you get a private reading from Laura. Yes. So really awesome stuff. Um really great way to support us and we get we try to give a lot back to you guys. Um you'll also get a thank you note. We know that we're a little behind on thank you notes. Um so we'll we'll get those mailed out ASAP. We're just ever since we got our new podcast art, we've been kind of um Yeah waiting on getting our new stationery back with our new cover art um we want that to and and uh yeah oh we are hoping to like one of the things that we have in the works sometime next year hopefully is like some sort of merch and once we develop that we will oh, yeah. be giving our patreon members like a discount on merch would be which will be yeah. awesome um so yeah guys so thank you fun. yeah thank you so much for listening in we're the new witches i'm maria I'm Laura. Stay witchy. Keep it creepy. Bye, guys. Bye.